Yo, what's up, everybody? It's time for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, the keeper of the peace, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts, my partners in crime, my brothers from other mothers, Jim Cross and Randy Jowers. And guys, tonight is episode three, titled Vol So Hard. It's titled that because we are going to have on former University of Tennessee and pro baseball player Andy Cox. But before Andy jumps in and mixes it up with us, Guys, it's been a long weekend, probably with elections and birthdays, and it's just been just crazy. Um, but I'll start with you, Randy, man. Tell me, I know you had a birthday in the house and the family, so how was that? Man, it was good. My wife, uh, her birthday, I think she was like turned 25 or something for like a couple, a bunch of times. So we went to Porch and Parlor. Shout out Porch and Parlor for the service, the hospitality. Uh, it's been a crazy, crazy week. She also is officially signed on with Memphis Realty Pros. She's got her marketing on point. So if you look in the market to buy a house, holler at Haley Jowers, 901-907-4995. Nice, nice. Yeah. Man, I just found the easiest way to get in your wife's digits. I heard that. All good, baby. Everything goes through me. You know, we we were talking about moving today, Jim. I mean, I, I know somebody now. I know somebody. Um, but anyhow, Jim, you've been on the soccer field this week? Absolutely, man. Taylor's got some more time in the box. She is getting better by the day. I'm very inspired by her play and her willingness to learn something new, to try to help out her team and do more than just play on the defensive end of the ball. So. You know, shout out to her for putting in the work. Yeah, man, it's it's been crazy on my end, though, too. I've had just work and just trying to follow elections. I have my daughter's birthday on the 30th, Halloween on the 31st. My parents and family all in town, man, full house, you name it. And it's starting to settle out and, you know, I'm – very much looking forward to the weekend just to kind of chill out and regroup and, and give back my my routine so um but the week has been good looking forward to the weekend i know you guys are too some sports we'll talk that later but before we get to that let's jump to the biggest interview and podcast this week we're going to bring on pro baseball player and former ut vol andy cox andy my man how we doing tonight yeah we're doing well how are you Excellent, man. You know, first and foremost, I think we got to start off with a congrats to you and a shout out to you. Big marriage a couple weeks ago, man, tying the knot, doing big things, man. How was that? Yeah, it was great. Um, it'd be two weeks on Saturday. It was it was nice to get a lot of my college buddies and my professional buddies to be able to come down and, and watch my wife and I get married. So it was a really good time. Good deal, man. Yeah, it's, it's strange times. And so it's probably... Uh, I have to ask you, was this date set or was it a postponed date? Was it a makeup date? How did that work for you guys? Um, no, this day, uh, October 24th was our date. It was set from the beginning. Um, it kind of worked out. We didn't have any restrictions, thank goodness. But then thankfully, we didn't have to do it. And we didn't start to try to get it done in July. And then, um, but yeah, no, everything was good. I mean, it was a little different. A lot of our buddies couldn't come because of certain reasons and kind of put a halt in things. But other than that, you know, we had a great wedding, so we can't complain about it. I bet. Nonetheless, you guys pressed on and, and, and got it done. And so, you know, 
three guys that are big, you know, family, family guys, we get it. So congratulations to you guys. Um, but let's, let's talk about you, man. Let's talk about the story from, you know, growing up through becoming a vault to pro baseball life. Like everybody wants to know they're always, you know, hitting us up. Like, can you have so-and-so on? Can you have so-and-so on? But really it's more about like the, the story of how people come through being a kid and, and just being elite athletes. And, and when we had the opportunity to get you on, like uh, we had to jump at that. So we appreciate you being on, but, you know, talk to us, where are you from, man? Like, tell us, tell us how it started. Uh, I'm born and raised here in Barley, Tennessee. Uh, yeah, man, I've been playing. I mean, I just recently just retired, but I was been playing since I was three. Uh, Man, baseball was 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 it growing up. Uh, from day one, my dream was to be able to go play professional baseball. And, you know, I, from the start, my parents are a big factor in that. They gave me everything I needed to succeed. They paid endless amounts of money. I mean, I'll never be able to thank them more than I already do. But, man, I, I, I woke up every day. It was baseball. It was baseball, baseball, baseball. And, you know, I, went, I don't – I'll never regret doing it. I loved every second of it. It went by fast, that's for sure. So you, you said, you know, family was a big factor on you playing baseball. What were the family dynamics? Were you only child? You have brothers, sisters? Yeah, I have an older brother. He's a uh, – he's 30. So, uh, yeah, he's 30. Um, you know, he was always – he was a pretty good football player. And, uh, you know, we always competed against each other and – um, I wasn't much of the football guy, but I mean, we always were just, just, just competitive family. My dad um, and my mom, you know, they're still together and just we're all really close. And me and my dad and my brother always competed and we still do compete on things now constantly. Always, now it's men's league softball for me now. So we always compete on who can hit the furthest home runs. And my dad's always trying to think he's got more pop to me, but he knows it ain't the case. So, so who is the best athlete then in the family? Ah, man. I mean, I'm not going to put them on blast, but they know. They know who it is. My dad won't ever, my dad won't ever admit it, but he knows. Shout out Jeff Cox, though. <laughs> I think that's what dads are, are, are truly meant to do is to never, ever, like, admit the fact that their kid is, is athletically more more gifted and better than them. I still think to this day my dad, can, he thinks he can beat me in basketball. Like uh, this is just not happening. But in yeah, my dad did. <laughs> my dad did the same way. He said we'd go outside in the in the driveway right now, and he he would he would give every single bit of ounce of energy into it. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, we so, compete on the golf course now, though. Oh, okay, okay. Who's better at golf? That's pretty even. I get him some days. He gets me some days. We, we, he, I will say we're pretty even on that. That must be the the go to dad response because that's what my dad says too. Well. Let's just go out and hit golf balls. No, no, I'm good. I'll, I'll let you have that. Um, I don't have enough golf balls nor enough money to be good at golf. So, um, but talk to us. When did you start playing baseball? Was baseball your only sport? And at what age did you did you think, okay, I have something you know a little bit better like than some of these other kids? Yeah, I mean, I grew up playing all the sports. Um, football was the first one that I stopped doing. I just wasn't really into it. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, I've been playing. You know, I think I started when I was three or four. Always just, I mean, my parents would always tell me I'd walk around with the ball and a bat constantly, and they would throw it at me all day long. So, you know, I played with the Memphis Travelers growing up um, from eight till I was 14. And, you know, we had a really good team. We had um, some really good players that came about from that, um, that little organization we had. And, you know, I just – I gave so much time into it that I knew, you know, I didn't – I wasn't always the, the number one guy on every team, but I always just flew under the radar and I did what I was supposed to do. And once I got into the high school range, I kind of started getting more velocity. You know, I started seeing a pitching coach, um, Dave Locke. I saw him for I – mean, he's out of batter's box now. I saw him for – eight years of my life and you know I just kind of just started to see a trend got on a good summer league high school team and you know then I started hearing from colleges so I was like man maybe this is a chance you know so and it just kept going from there from then on gotcha so was there ever any pressure to play baseball or to play any sport I mean we we talked to a lot of athletes and and they all have kind of similar they're all similar in the fact that they had older siblings or their parents were really good at sports and they kind of molded them not to play a certain sport but just to play sports was there a pressure on you to play any sport or you were able to choose baseball and that was your thing oh yeah no I mean my parents never once put any pressure on me they just wanted me to do what I wanted to do and you know what I enjoyed to do and baseball was the one thing that I would wake up every day and I'd be pumped to go do, you know. And so, no, I mean, I never felt pressure. You know, sometimes, you know, you, you get – when I got to pro ball, there'd be times where, you know, I think I'd be letting, you know, certain people down if I didn't get to the certain standards in their minds. But, man, at the end of the day, I knew that I got to live out something that not many people get to do. And I thank God every day for that because without him, honestly, it wouldn't even be a thing, man. But, um, no, I never once felt pressure. My parents were 100% supportive whether I played or not. They are going to support me whatever I've done. So, no, I couldn't have asked for better parents in that situation. Yeah, one of the best parts about having you on here is knowing your family. You know, had the pleasure of going to church and seeing you were just a little youngster and knowing that – knowing who your parents were and hearing you say this, I could verify just from the years that I was around them what kind of people they are and what kind of parents they were. And so I knew you were raised in a, in a good home with parents who were going to, like you said, give you all the opportunities that you do have. So like I said earlier, shout out to, to Jeff and Lisa, but uh, so let's go to high school. Where did you go to high school at? Um, I went to St. Benedict in Auburndale and uh, Cordova. Okay. Um, and, uh, what, what is it, what is it like, you know, I'm not too familiar. Um, you know, I went to Bolton. What is it like going to a private school and what is it like athletically there? Um, you know, I mean, the athletic ways, it's a little different. Um, you know, you, for, I mean, for St. Benedict, it wasn't as big as the Christian brothers and the MUSs that were around. We were, we were in the same division, but we didn't, we didn't breed the, the athletes like they always get, you know, but Man, I enjoyed it. I uh, went to Tipton Rosemark in middle school, and then I decided to make the change because for just athletic reasons. I was going to go to Arlington, but my parents didn't want to just keep me in private school, which, you know, I was cool with that. I enjoyed four years of it. You know, we had a pretty good baseball team. I wouldn't say they were lights out. We weren't a standout team, but, 
you know, I got the job done. I got to get good work in. We played good teams. We played all the people around the West Tennessee and East Tennessee. So, no, it was good. Um, I really enjoyed it. It was a good school. They did, they did good to me, so I can't complain about that. You know, I got to ask, because you said Arlington, what, what were your years in high school? What years were those? Um, I graduated in 2012. All right, so Daniel, would Shane have been the coach there? Um, I believe uh, so. I think Coach Locke was a coach. Coach Ring was a coach. Um, coach Ring was a coach. Coach Locke was a – he. so he finished up at Bartlett. I think he was done in 11. I want to say I could be wrong about that, but I don't think he was there for – when I graduated because that's who I did lessons from. But, yeah, like um, – I think Coach Ring was at Arlington, but I could be wrong about that. I mean, it's been a long time now. Gotcha. Yeah, and I was asking because I know that Arlington at one point became a really winning program, obviously, and so I didn't know if that was before that had happened or not. Yeah, no, I mean, I had, like, I had a couple of buddies that I grew up with, like Brady Bramlett. He was a big Arlington guy out there, and he went to Ole Miss and played, and, you know, we grew up together playing. And I was really close to going to Arlington. I tried to plead with my parents to do it, but I was—I know I respect them for wanting me to stay in private school. I got a really good education. And so, I mean, at the end of the day, it was, it was the right decision. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree. Um, private school provides opportunities that are different. And so, you know, when it came to the private schools, do you happen to know why y'all chose St. Benedict? Um, you know, I don't really remember. I know that – I think my family had some people that – went there or the kids went there and the principal of the school was really great and um, you know I, I mean I'm, I go to a Baptist church so obviously it was a little bit of an adjustment for me going to a Catholic school but um, you know I just my parents thought it was a good idea and, and at that age you know, I was like all right let's go and, and I got there first I remember I went in the summer before my freshman year I got to play with the, the team and got to meet all the guys so that was a good transition for me and then yeah, I mean, I loved every minute of it. It was a great school. That's what's up. Well, shout out to St. Benedict. So, um, what would you say was your best season while you were there? At St. Benedict? Yeah. Um, Man, so long ago. I'm trying to remember. Uh, you know, I did I – mean, my junior and senior year were definitely my two best years. Um, that's when I started to really see, you know, my velocity jumping, my pitches or – starting to come together and my body was growing. So, you know, I don't really remember stats on it. So I wouldn't be able to tell you that, but I know that like my junior year was my big year, especially when I went into the summer when school started looking and then that's when I started to peak a little bit and started to see that I could do this. I got you. Cause some of these athletes we have on here, the reason I ask that is usually they'll have a big season somewhere along the line. It could be freshman, it could be junior year whatever the case may be. And usually that's when they know that they have something special. So that's kind of why I asked that question to see if, you know, when you maybe kind of turned it up a little bit. Um, were you only a pitcher? No, I, I played center. I played outfield first base. I mean, I love playing the field. Um, you know, they tried my sophomore and junior, they tried to keep me a pitcher only. And um, we had three really good pitchers and, um, they didn't want me to play the field. They didn't want me to pitch. But my senior year, I told them, I was like, man, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend my last year. I'm going to play every every game I can. So I played outfield. I played center field. I love doing it. And um, But I wouldn't say I'm much of the hitter anymore. Maybe only a fastball. Only the slow pitch softball now, huh? 
Yeah, yeah, that's right. All right, so you said you're having trouble remembering some of the things back then, but I know you gotta remember like your rivalries. Who was your who was your toughest competition back then? Uh, I would say MUS and Christian Brothers for sure. I mean, they had some pretty stacked teams that I, from what I remember, I mean, I had a lot of guys on both teams that went to big D1 colleges, and it was always pretty good competition. That was the one. I mean, I had a lot of outings where I didn't get hit a lot. And, and Sun and then when I faced Christian Brothers in the U.S., I really had to pitch instead of just being a thrower like that most high school kids that throw decently hard can get away with. I understand. All right, so speaking of college, what were your top three colleges that you were looking at? Well, so um, at the end of my junior season, I uh, originally I committed to the University of Arkansas. And then um, – Stuff happened. They scholarships. They oversigned too many people, so they're going to cut my scholarship. And so they wanted me to walk on, but it was just way too much price for my parents. And I wouldn't. So I told them thank you for their offer, you know. But I'm going to seek otherwise. And Memphis was pretty heavy on me. And then um, I remember USF was really heavy on me, uh, but I didn't want to go that far. And then I ended up going to a um, showcase with my travel team. I played with the East Coast Grays. They're they're East Coast baseball now, but um, I went to a travel tournament at Knoxville and I pitched in front of the coaches there and I did really well. And the head coach Toronto, Dave Serrano, who was my coach, he, uh, he pulled me aside and he was like, man, we really like you. We don't have any scholarships at the time, but, you know, a preferred walk-on spot is there for you if you want it. And so I was like, well, I'll get back to you. I'm going to talk to my parents about it. And um, so they ended up coming back. When we played at USA Stadium in Millington, they ended up coming back and watching me pitch. And I threw like five no-hit innings or five innings of no-hit ball. And then so long story short, they gave me the preferred walk-on spot. And, you know, I was like, man, I get a chance to go play at an SEC school. I know going into it, we had like 15 freshmen. So I knew going into it, I was going to get a chance to compete and pitch from day one, and which I got to. So it ended up working out perfect for me. That's awesome. And as I told you before the episode, you know, Andy's or Andy, Randy has had to take a break for a few weeks with work. And so he was able to come back just in time to talk Tennessee baseball with you. So I'm going to turn it over to him. Let's take it to East Tennessee. One of the, I just got back. My son actually just competed uh, for the cross country state championship. We were over there in Knoxville for the Kentucky game. We won't talk about that too much. Let's not. <laughs> Let's not. So just take us through a day, Andy. Just take us through a day on campus. What was that like for you? Um, you know, I I generally they would put us in like morning classes. Um, would generally go from about eight a.m. till probably get out around noon. Um, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we would in the off season we would go six a.m. conditioning then go straight to 8 a.m. classes. So at first it was really hard for a lot of guys. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It was kind of hard on me to, you know, really pay attention to school. You were just so exhausted. But, you know, you had to find a way to get it done, and that's all. I, that's how it was. And then so I get down about 12, go eat lunch, and then pretty much from then I'd head onto the field, and you would have practice from anywhere between 2 to 6 to 2 to 5. And then after that they'd send you up to the – what was called the Thornton Center. It was like a 
study hall for the athletes. They'd send us up there. You'd have to get so many hours a week of study hall in and you go home. And basically by the time I got home, ate dinner, I was asleep, started up again every single day. And it wasn't really stopping from there. Yeah. It's a grind from all the guys that we talked to and the, and the ladies as well. So just take us through, what was your best season at UT? Um, you know, my sophomore season was definitely my breakout year for me. Um, I, uh, don't remember stats really, but I mean, I was, I know I had the most innings. I had the most appearances combined with innings and appearances. So I was throwing, a, uh, I was throwing a heavy amount, but, um, you know, it was great. My junior year went well. Um, I was pretty much the Friday night starter for the most of it. Towards the end of that season start, they moved me to Sundays because for matchup purposes. Um, and then my senior year, my senior year went okay. I started off kind of slow, and then I, once SEC play kicked in, I, I was a big help and I, with experience, and I ended up finishing the season really well, which led to me to get drafted. So, Yeah, well, that's awesome. So those were the, that was the best year. What was the best team that you played on while you were there? For uh, my sophomore year was our best team. You know, we we lost. Um, let's see, we lost to UNC Asheville on a midweek game at the end of the season, which cost us our chance to get to the regionals, which is just unfortunate. But as a team, we we played well. We had a really good team. We had a we had a first rounder on that team. We had a lot of really good players on that team. So, who was the best player that you played against in your four years there? Hmm. And uh, um, probably Alex Bregman, to be honest with you, man. I, that was the one guy that, you know, I, I did pretty well against the top-tier guys. I always did well against them, But Alex Bregman, was, to me, was probably one of the hardest outs I ever had. I mean, he just fought off everything and put the ball in play. Yeah, he's still he pretty good. <laughs> he's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, so I would say him um, for sure. I remember A.J. Reed for Kentucky, and the guy hit just – I've never seen balls hit that hard off a of B.B. Corbett like he hit, but I was lefty on lefty, so I had an advantage there. But, yeah, I mean, Alex Redman probably stands out beside anyone for sure. So you mentioned it already when we were talking earlier, but how proud are you to say that you were in the SEC and, and for all four years at a big program like that? Yeah, I mean, it was awesome. Um, I mean, I'm really thankful that I got the opportunity to do it. Got to play in the best stadiums in the world. Nothing, nothing compete, nothing ever will compare to a Friday night in an SEC stadium. They had ten to twelve thousand fans. It's, I mean, from the road was more than it was for at home. Like I remember Arkansas. I'll never forget pitching Friday night at LSU. Man, the whole stadium was rocking. You know, like, and that. I mean, it's one of those things. If you aren't prepared, you're not going to be ready, and you're not going to do well. And you know, I was nervous, really nervous, but I enjoyed it so much. Yeah, get the juices flowing, man. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't get to play in front of anything like that. So that's good. <laughs> so uh, when when did you know? When did you get on the pros' radar? We talked about how you went through high school to college, but when did you get on the pros' radar? Um, after my sophomore season, I started getting some of those like questionnaires they send out, you know, to fill out things. And during the fall, the scouts would come out to watch some of our scrimmages. Then they talked to me and stuff, and, like just you know the normal. You know, we we like the, the we like the way you pitch. We like the way you do stuff, and you know, just have a good season this season. We'll see what happens. And then to me, I knew in the back of my mind that 
I wanted to play professional baseball, but I wasn't, it wasn't one of those things that I was carrying over my head. I was going to go out there and compete for my team and I wasn't going to make it about me. And um, so, yeah, I mean, my sophomore, after my sophomore season, I, I had, I knew them, I knew there was a chance that I could go play. Um, I never would have thought that I got drafted as high as I did and thank God for that. But man, um, yeah, I would say after my sophomore year, I, I knew. And then junior, after my junior season, I got drafted in like 30th round. I already told those scouts that, you know, it's going to take a life-changing amount of money for me to go because I wanted to – my main goal was to finish, and I ended up getting my degree, which I wanted to do. Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. So, well, I got two more questions, and I'll, I'll, I'll turn it over. But the last thing on that is, like, you talked about, you know, playing in, in, in these stadiums. So, your senior year, were you just soaking it all in, knowing this is my last year as a college pitcher? And what was your last game like, you know, as of all? Um – yeah, man, you know, it was it was it was awesome. Um, I mean, every single weekend, no matter if we were playing a, a midweek team or a mid-major team, I soaked it all in because stuff goes by fast, man. It really does. Um, four years, four years went by really, really fast. Um, and I know my last game it was against LSU. It was on Senior Day. Didn't really go my way, but. Um, it was great. My, all my family got was out there. My aunts, my uncles, everyone drove all the way to Knoxville to see me for my senior day. So that was that was awesome. And um, man, I have so many good memories of that place. I loved every second of it, regardless of the wins, regardless of the losses. It was just the experiences I had. It'll never be beat. Yeah, that's awesome. I know that's a long drive because, like I said, I just drove it. I've driven it a hundred times for Tennessee games, but it was different it, di driving it for my son competing. So that was it's pretty awesome. I can't imagine going up there to see him uh, play college. Maybe maybe he'll get to run at Tennessee. I don't know. He better he better get on the grind though. <laughs> so last question I got for you: you talked about the transition between high school and college. So what was the transition like from college to pros? You know, um, it, it was obviously a little bit different. Um, but at the end of the day, we all knew we were going there for one purpose, and that was to play baseball. So that was always easy. You know, making friends wasn't hard because you knew you were there to play baseball. But, um, you know, it was different. You get people from all over the world, you know. I mean, that was definitely a major adjustment for me. You get in a room full of Latinos. You get in a room full of Americans. It doesn't matter. It's different languages. So it's something that I got to – had to get adjusted to and I got adjusted to it quickly. I mean, some of my best friends are from the Dominican Republic now and I still keep in touch with them. So that was, that was pretty, that was one of the big things for me is that I knew going into it, I didn't really care about this the, um, baseball part of it. I knew that was going to take care of itself, but I wanted to be a good person and be a good teammate. And I wanted to leave a mark as a person more than I was as a player. Wait, hold up. Are you bilingual? Uh, no, I don't know much Spanish. I can, I can, I know what people are saying about me, but I don't know how to speak it. <laughs> that's, that's like all, that's a hundred percent of it right there. <laughs> all right. So let's talk about that minor league journey. You know, let's start with rookie ball in 2016 at Billings. What was that like? No, it was, it was definitely different. Um, Billings, Montana was a really cool area. Uh, I've never been out that way. Um, and it was a grind, though. I mean, we the bus trips were no joke. I mean, we had one bus trip that was ten hours, one bus trip that was thirteen hours, and um, it, it was definitely a grind. Um, the team was really good. We ended up finishing second place that season. Uh, we lost to a team in Orem. Uh, we had a really good team, man. There was that was a really fun experience. Um, so I remember I started out 
kind of shaky. And then right when after All-Star break, I really kicked it in and I became one of the you know, main bullpen guys towards the end of the season. So, but it was awesome, man. I loved, Mon- I loved Montana. It was pretty cool. Yeah, man, that's one of those places that I've always wanted to go check out. So that's cool that you got to experience that. One of the jokes that we have, though, is in reference to you talking about the bus rides, whether we've talked to John John Bowen or some other people. And then our original first episode of this podcast was discussing the last dance. And we talked about how Michael Jordan paid for that $350,000 bus for the Birmingham parents to to travel <laughs> on. And so we always like to ask, you know, how how nice was your bus, Andy? <laughs> Um, and Billings, I mean, they weren't bad. They were your typical, like, coach buses, but, I mean, they weren't great by any means. Uh, you know, some of them didn't – like, I know the 13-hour one we had, we didn't have outlets on our our buses, so, like, you had to bring a portable charger. You didn't have a phone for 13 hours, so – but, I mean, you had to sit with somebody, too. You know, you didn't get your own seat and all that stuff, but, you know, I can't complain too much about it because I know a lot of people want to do it. It wasn't very – it wasn't easy, but – it wasn't, it wasn't awful. Yeah, no, it's just something we like to have fun with because, you know, like you said, 13 hours on bus, a long ride. So, speaking of the ride, let's talk about 2017. You went to single A ball with uh, Dayton? Yeah, so 2017 was definitely one of my uh, – man, it was it was a good year, man. I started out and I was like 20 scoreless innings. And then I always had – I had some shoulder problems that I started in college. Uh you know, I actually started when I had a – I got in a pretty bad car accident um, and someone pulled out in front of me. And that's actually – my I locked, I locked my left arm out and I remember it popping. And, uh, and I pitched three years on it at Tennessee. I just – I got MRIs on it. You know, I got it checked out. There wasn't much damage. It was just an old injury from the car accident. But it has progressively got worse and worse. And then in 2017 um, – I'll never forget we were in um, Michigan playing the Whitecaps, the Detroit Tigers uh, low A team. And I threw one pitch and I remember my just all the pain in my body going straight to my back and my arm. And uh, so, yeah, it was, I ended up having to get labrum surgery and rotator cuff surgery. So I got that in July of 2017. So it was a big setback for me, but um Man, yeah, it was that that season. We had a really good team again. Um, man, I wish I could have finished that season because I think they ended up finishing third. They lost in the semifinals. Great team, a bunch of good guys. And yeah, it was unfortunate the way it happened, but I feel really good now. So, well, clearly you battled back because according to what I got, you went back down to Billings, but then you would eventually get back to Singway with uh, Chattanooga. Yeah, so that so I got surgeon July seventeen and eighteen of July. I went to a rehab assignment in uh, Billings for – I wasn't there maybe like a month. And then I ended up going back to Dayton. I finished the season in Dayton in 18. And then in 19, I started out in Dayton again. I was only there for a little bit. But then when I got to Daytona, I got to Daytona pretty early. I went on a huge stretch. I, I was pitching really well. And then um, I got called up to go to A for – I got to pitch two outings up there, threw well again. and. Um, but it's just the nature of professional baseball. You got to deal with, with the, the highs and you got to deal with the lows. Obviously, I wasn't too pleased about getting sent back down and finishing the season in Daytona, but I never showed it. I never showed it towards the organization. I just kept doing what I was supposed to do, and I knew that whatever was going to happen was going to happen, and if I was going to be there, I was going to be there. So, 
Well, I think I know the answer to this question because just listening to you and knowing your character, but would you have done anything differently? Man, no. I gave every single bit of energy. I gave every bit of heart I could into baseball from day one. I told myself right when when I got into professional baseball, once I lost the 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 motive to have fun with the game again or I had fun with the game if I wasn't having fun pitching anymore then I was going to tell myself it was time and uh yeah man I'll never when I look back on it even now just sitting at home and I don't regret anything that happened I know that I gave everything I had to the game and the game treated me well so I, I can't complain about what happened I didn't get to the big leagues but I got pretty far for and I was that's all I'm happy about so got to do it yeah, you gotta you gotta be happy with the fact that you you've done something that many people can't say that they've done, and it's very hard to and uh, you know for the journey. A lot of people may not know how difficult the journey in baseball is, but it's a grind, and it's um, physical, it's mental, it's a little bit of luck, it's being in the right place at the right time with the right organization. There's a lot of factors that go into that. Um, but I, I want to go back to, you know, getting, getting sent down. I don't want to bring up any bad memories, but these are the questions that we have to ask. Cause these are, this is the perspective that, you know, the listeners, they, they don't get a chance to get. So talk me through the process when the manager, the general manager pulls you in and is it something that, you know, right away, like this is not going to be a good conversation or is it, did you know that you're going to be sent back down? How does that? Uh, work? Well, I knew. So, so I went up the first time, and my Daytona manager told me that um, they needed some arms. You probably only be there for the home stand, and then you're going to come back. So, the first time it happened, you know, I, I threw well, no runs, two strikeouts. I pitched really well, and then after the game, the manager called me in Chattanooga. Was like, hey, so and so is coming off the injury reserve list, whatever. We're going to send you back to Daytona. Um, keep throwing well down there, and, you know, you might have a chance to come back. I was like, all right, well, I appreciate you guys having me. You know, thank you. You guys have a good one. So, send it another about a, three weeks later. And, um, I got called back into the Daytona manager's office. Actually, he called me. I was in the hotel room. We were in Kissimmee, Florida, and he called me while I was playing video games with some of the guys. He called me. He's like, hey, you're going back up to Chattanooga. Get your stuff, you know. And we're on the road, so I had to get all my stuff shipped. Um, so I get to Chattanooga, I and mean, then I get there. Um, I'm thinking, you know, this is it. I think I'm going to be here for a while. Uh, you know, I've definitely earned the right to have a chance. It's the way I pitched. And I was, I was obviously an older guy. Like, I was 26. So I knew that if I didn't get to, uh, to Chattanooga soon, like, you know, time's running out, especially with how – the age is going with in the big leagues now, you know, the younger you are, the better, but um, yeah, I mean, I got up there. Um, I threw really well again, one inning, no hits, two strikeouts. You know, I felt really good about it. Um, you know, I'm getting there about to go take a shower or whatever. And then uh, the trainer comes up to me and goes, Hey, the manager wants to speak to you again. And I was like, man, this isn't good, you know, but, he just walked it to me again. It's like, man, I'm sorry. Um, I don't quite understand what, what's going on here. And, you know, I, I was, I was a little frustrated. I'm not going to lie to you. I was just like, man, what else do I need to do? I don't, I've done everything I could. I've proven everything I've, I've, I've done. Like I've proven everything to them. I've, 
only thrown well, but you know, you got to take it. You can't be bitter about it. You can't show anybody up. You got to do it in a professional manner. And, you know, I just, I wore it. I went back to Daytona, got back with the team there and then I finished the season. And, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's never easy, but you know, if you, if you have a good, good way of going about things and, it's all about just being professional at the end of the day. Like I said beforehand, it was all about me. It was all about character. I didn't really care about what you thought of me as a player. I wanted you what you thought about me as a person. So what what is what's the plan now? Is there more baseball? Are you done with baseball? What's going on? What's going through your head? Um, yeah, so I am finished. Um, actually, I'm in the fire academy right now for the Shelby County Fire Department. I got hired in October 1st. So, you know, that's a different transition for me, but it's been something that, you know, I've always kind of had on the back burner if baseball didn't work out. Um, you know, they both have a team aspect to it. So, uh, yeah, I'm about five weeks into this academy and I'm enjoying every minute of it. I love what I do. Um, it is so nice being at home with family, man. It's the first time in eight years I've been home for a summer. So it's been different. My brother actually, well, she's two years old now, but I get to spend time with my niece. I mean, I get, I have a wife now. So, man, it's great. Um, like I said before, baseball gave me everything I could ask for. Uh, never will have a regret. I'm thankful I got the opportunity to play four years of professional baseball, but I'm glad to be home and start a new career and get in the public service uh, um, region of it. So take me to, through the process of, I've been this elite baseball player. I went, you know, as high as double A baseball. And then now I have to be real with myself and I got to say, this is it. Like, what is that conversation like? Is that a you choice? Is that a family choice? Is that you talking to the managers and, and trying to figure out what the best option is? How, how does, how do you get to the point where you say, all right, this is it. Um, you know, like once I got sent back down after the second time in Chattanooga, you know, I, I knew I was 26. I'm a senior sign. I didn't get the big draft bonus like a lot of people do, which, and that's how they invest people in professional baseball. And it's just one of those aspects of it. But, um, you know, I got back home when I got the spring training got cut in two weeks. We went back home because of the COVID and, um, you know, I got home and I was just thinking, you know, I'm going to keep giving, I'm going to keep training and get everything I got until I'm told I'm done. And then in about May, when they started releasing a bunch of the whole release of all the minor league players, I ended up being a part of that. And, um, you know, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, so I just told myself, I was like, man, I'm about to get married. I don't, I gave everything I had to this sport. And I told myself once I got released once, or once I told myself I was done, I was going to be done. So, you know, it really wasn't a hard transition to me, man. I'm a family person. I love being with my family. I love being at home. Um, was it hard? You know, do I still think about competing every day? But that's why I get to do other stuff now. I compete with myself every single day with, you know, fitness. And, you know, I compete with my I compete on the men's league softball now. So, you know, it gives me something to do. So, no, the transition wasn't that hard at all. Gotcha. So, Think about a goal five, five, ten years from now. Where do you see yourself? What are you doing? What's what's it look like? Um, I see myself uh, obviously still at the fire department at Shelby County. Um, you know, hopefully have a couple kids by then. You know, I'll get to have a family of my own. Um, 
you know, just doing well for myself and doing well for my family, taking care of them because that's what's most important. Um, but yeah, man, I see myself being a, the best fireman I can be and, you know, helping out in this community that gave me so much of, to my life. So that's all I want to do. It's very admirable, a great profession, just giving back and just being really humble and understanding that, you know, you, you had a lot of help through your journey. And so being able to, to, you know, pay back those that helped you get to where you were, but also, you know, remembering, you know, what you learned along the way and trying to instill that in others. And man, before we get out of here, we're going to play a little game called this or that. Uh, It's just a, a little way for our, our listeners to get a chance to know a lighthearted side of you. Um, so if you're down to play, we'd love to, to have some fun with you. What do you think? Yeah, for sure. All right, so it's pretty pretty simple. I'll give you two options. You pick one of the two options. The only rules are you can't say neither and you can't say both. <laughs> pretty clear? You yeah. Give an answer. All right, so if you had to choose one school over the other, Knowing that you were a UT Ball grad, but UT's out of the equation, they you had to pick one. Would you pick Florida, or would you pick a Kentucky? Oh man, that's brutal. And the only reason I say uh, Kentucky because Randy mentioned the the beatdown that that Kentucky gave you guys, so I know that's pretty fresh right. in, in your heads. You know, I I would have to say Florida only because um. Man, I have some really good buddies that I played professional with. There's some great dudes, man, and I can't ever pick Kentucky. I I can't really pick Florida, but I'm going to for this game's sake. But Kentucky, there's no way I couldn't. Gotcha. Would you rather have pulled pork or brisket? Pulled pork all day. I think that's the right answer, sir. Um, Clayton Kershaw or Garrett Cole? Oh, man. We're talking about playoffs or non-playoffs. <laughs> we're, we're talking about just one guy that you have to pick to to win your game. Not so much yeah, win gonna... it, give you a shot to win it. Oh, man, that's tough. Because Clayton Kershaw, man, it would take his playoffs out. And, and, and he's also had some times in the playoffs where he's gotten really, really hurt. But uh, – Man, they're both, I'm going to have to go Clayton Kershaw being the lefty. I truly believe that he'll go down as one of the best pitchers. I mean, it sucks that his playoffs resume is so bad, but, man, you won't find many guys like that will ever step on the field. So I'll ask you is – I think it's easy for fans to go out and say, man, he should win more than he does in the playoffs. But how hard is it? Like, it, like you know, like, the difficulty – Give some insight on how difficult it is to win those games at that high level, no matter how good you are. Yeah. Yeah, I have these conversations a lot, man. There's a lot of fans that didn't happen in minor league baseball. They're just they're saying, oh, well, it ain't that hard, man. People will never understand. There's Especially how when fans are going throw strikes. And, you know, it's not all about throwing the strikes. You got to throw a strike at a, a precise location or you will get punished. And, man, it, it's – Pitching, I mean, hitting's very hard. Don't get me wrong. I, hitting's probably one of the hardest things to do in sports, but especially how the game is going now with the average fastballs of 98 miles an hour. But, man, to be able to throw the ball where you want to on the mound and to have that consistency day in and day out, it's, it's, it's really hard. And, 
you know, that's the thing about Clayton Kershaw. It's just at that point, I think it's just bad luck. You know, <laughs> you can't do that well that often every season. And then the playoffs come around. It's just, it's just bad luck, man. But yeah, when fans start bringing out the, Oh, he's so terrible. But it's like, those guys would never even last a, a second in any baseball. So they couldn't even un- they couldn't even throw a first pitch out, much less. Get no, no, they wouldn't be able to throw one strike. Yeah. <laughs> so, would you rather text somebody or call somebody? No. Good answer. That's that's my choice too. I I can't stand. I, I hate. Yeah, I'd rather much have a conversation over the phone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, would you rather – this is a Randy question. This is a big question. It's very important to to get this question right for Randy because he he's going to judge you. Would you rather have <laughs> money or would you rather have friends? Oh, friends all day long. No, wrong. <laughs> it's the wrong. Hey, you, can't be, you, you can't be good friends, man. You can't be good friends. Yeah, you can. They're right here, and I'm telling them right to their face. <laughs> Randy said, "Yeah, you could be, you could be good friends. You just buy more, buy better." <laughs> I guess you're right, Randy. You are right about that. Um, would you rather go back in the past or fast forward to the future? Um, I think my past was so great, man. I would, I would definitely go to the future. I want to see what it's like. Gotcha. Peanuts or Cracker Jacks? Oh, peanuts, man. I'm not a big fan of Cracker Jacks. I know. I the the whole seventh inning stretch. Like the take the yeah. <laughs> game, like I don't, I don't get Cracker Jacks. Not many people eat Cracker Jacks at the ballpark. It's not really a thing. So, what about gum or sunflower seeds? Um, yeah, sunflower seeds probably for me. Yeah. Change up or slider? Slider all day long, no question. What would you rather hit, a change up or a slider? I would much rather hit. A slider because the change is the hardest pitch to hit in baseball. But I'm I didn't never have a good changeup, but I had a slider. They said only bad hitters hit changeups. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Andy, man, we're gonna let you let you run. Is there anything you want to plug or promote? You talked about the uh, the Fire Academy. You talked about uh, UT. Anything else? Any uh, humanitarian work? Any charities, foundations, or anything you? you you want to throw out there? No, no. I just appreciate you guys letting me have the chance to speak. Um, and you know, I hope that you, know, you guys have a good one. And I appreciate you guys letting me be on here. Yeah, absolutely, man. We want to we want to thank you. Uh, we appreciate you being on. It's a great story, great insight. You know, I like pulling the perspective um, from guys that you know were in the trenches and now they're out. Um, just to to make a connection to all like our big thing is average Joe's talking sports and like when we can get a story and relate to a guy who seems like just one of us, it's, it's pretty cool. So we hope the, you know one day we bring you back on. We'll talk some more. Maybe talk about the fire uh, academy. Yeah. Talk about you know what the job likes like and how family life is, man. But. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to plug our sponsors. We're going to pay them bills. And when we come back, we got headlines, we got rants, we got raves, and we got Randy's riches. Welcome back to the End Off the Bench podcast. We're going to lead off with some headlines. Let's talk Major League Baseball. Jim, I'm going to get some reaction from you first. The Dodgers uh, wasn't the team that we wanted, wasn't the team that we picked. 
Um, but they they took care of business. They they took down the raise. It was big market versus small market. So, you know, are you okay with the Dodgers being the champs this year? Yeah, I'm okay with it because the best team won. And you can't really be mad when the best team wins, even if you're not a fan of them. So that, and as we discussed for multiple weeks on the podcast, you know, Clayton Kershaw finally getting it done when it really mattered was, was a great thing. He's a, he's a great pitcher with great character. So good for him. Good for that team. Randy, does, does this give a little vindication for Kershaw or does he still need to do more to cement his place as being one of the best pitchers of all time? Well, I'd like to start out by saying I do not share Jim's sentiment. I'm not happy for the Dodgers, and I'm not happy for Clayton Kershaw. But, yes, it does vindicate it. You know, they always say it's about the rings, and uh, he had some shaky moments in the playoffs. Uh, I thought he had to grind, but I think it was more mental. We've seen the guy dominate for years and years. Uh, Luckily, as a diehard Cardinals fan like we are, he struggled against our team, and they were able to beat him up. But this time, he grinded it out. It was just – it was so surreal. Like, I mean, the whole watching the whole thing was surreal. Uh, I think the Dodgers, everybody talks about an asterisk. I don't think that. But them coming through after last year, feeling like they got cheated out of it, not winning one since 1988. Everybody knows the line. I guess I could say, okay, good for them, but no. Yeah, I, I share the same feelings. Like, I could give two you-know-whats that the Dodgers won, and I was rooting for the Rays, hoping for the Rays, and I I think they just ran out of steam. The one thing that the Rays could rely on was the fact that they could get timely hits and they could pitch, and those two things just didn't align um, for that series. They grinded, they, they, they fought. But in the end, I think, you know, according to records, the best team won. Um, As far as Kershaw goes, you know, I could take him or leave him. He's not my most favorite guy. But, I mean, I can respect the fact that you've been there, you know, so many times and you you persevered and you you got over the mountaintop. So, like, I, I tip my hat to that. But by no means am I excited and happy about that. But yeah never absolutely not not when your team loses you should never be happy about that Daniel you know what I'm curious too because we haven't had Randy here in a a few weeks how he might feel about a Rosarina and the fact that he was a Cardinal and yet we can't hit for power and we just watched this dude kill it all playoffs you know the whole thing I kept thinking every time I watched a Rosarina was that time that he hit the triple uh I think it was against the Cubs for the Cardinals and it was like a pop-up to first base and he just kept running he just kept running. They dropped the ball. They threw it around. That's what I – and, of course, he hit for power, and we saw him drop some bombs. But, my God, that dude was on fire. Yeah, he had he had a – I would say he probably had the best playoffs of anybody. Uh, maybe not the, the best series of any one player, but definitely playoffs in, as a whole. He was, he was but definitely you, – But you stuff. know that playing for the team he's on, it's not going to get him paid. Not there. No, it's, it's not going to last. If He'll, he'll – start the year with those guys and they'll figure out a way to either move him or he'll cool off and he'll get figured out. But yeah, like Tampa Bay, that's the one downside. That's not the place that you stay for the big time contract. You got to go elsewhere, but um, you know, thinking about next year and the, the season, 
I know it's early, but I feel like the the thing to do is to give the two early predictions. So, Jim, who who wins? Who who's our American League champ and who's our National League champ next year? Well, National League, I'm gonna be a homer and just go ahead and say St. Louis. I'll say that every year that you ask me. <laughs> Let me guess, you're gonna pick the Angels. <laughs> that's not my team though that was your fault you had me research the american league west and i did research and everything said that they were going to be a dark horse i'm sorry mm. but no american league like i'd have to say the favorite still the yankees just because they're gonna spend the money and reload and they're still gonna have the talent whether they do it or not but if i'm just gonna pick right now too early that's who i'm gonna say Probably, I mean, odds-wise, that's probably going to be the pick. I would say the Dodgers would probably be the pick. It'll look similar um, next year odds to what it started off as this year. If I had to pick a couple teams and, you know, Randy, I'll give you a chance to chime in, but I I think with a couple changes, the, the Padres could be in the discussion and – I always got to go with the Rays. Like they have a right now, they have a recipe and a strategy that wins games. Whether it wins championships, I don't know, but I think they're going to give themselves a chance to be in the playoffs and, and make some noise in the playoffs. Randy, finish us up. What do you think? Just before I want to just throw a dark horse out there. Now that Billy Bean's moving on, the Athletics are winning the championship. <laughs> That's what's going down. They're gonna but spend. They're gonna spend money now. They're gonna spend the money, and you know, I think it's gonna be the Dodgers again because there's nothing telling you that they won't. I mean, that team's loaded from top to bottom in the National League. Uh, Seager, I mean, not a lot of he. I mean, I know he was MVP, and a lot of people think he's great, but like he's so underrated in my opinion. Uh, Justin Turner saying, you know, bump the man. I'm gonna be out there anyway. I thought that Dave Roberts was vindicated. Finally got him a championship in the shortened season, but I think in the National League, I'm not a. I'm. I love the Cardinals. I don't even think they're making the playoffs next year. Ooh, what, are they, hey, what are they doing over here? Hey, Randy, I got a question for you since, you know, you're talking about the talent there. Is Mookie Betts actually the best player in baseball over Trout? No. There's a lot of people that believe that. That's why I had to ask. He's great. I I, I think he's – Mookie's got one more, one more reason. I hear you. And, that and, ring. I mean, you know, that, Dan Marino's – you're saying Trent Dilford's better than Dan Marino? Ooh. Yes. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> Get out of here. Get no, out of here. Podcast, podcast is over. <laughs> no, Trent. Who's Trent Delfer? He's on. He's on ESPN now. Oh yeah, that guy. That Dude, guy. what I love about it, I know we're getting off topic, but I will say this real quick since you you brought it up. Trent Dilfer will never say he's a good quarterback himself, and that's why I love it. He doesn't even try to lie to people. I I, I love that too, uh, but yeah. I, and, I think that Mookie is the is top three, but I still think Mike Trout's the best player in baseball. It just goes yeah. to show you, though, that the being the best player does not on a baseball team does not get you there. No, you you got to have more. Um, and like the Angels, I think are exactly that example. Um, you know, so but any, anyhow, moving moving forward, you know, I think we're gonna put. MLB to rest for a while. We're going to let them have a break. We're going to let Justin Turner quarantine with his COVID and 
um, you know, we'll, we'll pick back up as, as things progress, but, you know, we're, we're hot and heavy into NFL. So I want to take some time and really dive into that. I want to start with the Patriots and the reason I want to start with the Patriots is because we're seeing something with those guys that we haven't seen in a really long time. And I don't know if some people are like, Oh yeah, Brady's not there. I expected that. But I, I deep down think that people thought the struggle that the Patriots are having once they signed Cam Newton, they, that struggle and thought that they would struggle went away. Um, but I'll, I'll ask you, Randy, is the, the reign of the Patriots, is it over? Is it, do they got to figure it out? Is Belichick headed out? Like, what, what's the plan for those guys? I want to say – well, no, no, no. I want it to be over. I hate the Patriots, you know. But I just think that Cam is uh, – he just hasn't been the same um, this year. He hasn't been the same since he came back with injuries. He's shown flashes. But I think with the right quarterback, you know, what we, I'll tell you what I haven't seen until now, and maybe I just haven't paid attention because I hate him so much, is Bill Belichick whining and coming up with excuses, talking about the salary cap, decisions made. That's what's been shocking. So, you know what? I, it is over, man. I think that he's going to get tired of losing, and he's going to retire. What else does that guy have to prove, man? Is Jim, is, is NFL better when the Patriots – are terrible or is NFL better when the Patriots are good? Well, I know they say it's always good to have that team that everyone loves to hate, right? But when you look at the AFC and the way it's constructed right now and the amount of good teams that are going to be competing, and as of right now, you don't have to worry about the Patriots who take it every year kind of deal. I think it's better personally across the league. But like I said, you know, history shows people love those teams that they get to hate on every year. We yeah, can always I, hate the Cowboys. <laughs> even Cowboy fans hate the Cowboys. So yes, you're you're right. Um, you know, as as we're it's Thursday night. As we're moving into Week Nine, I I want to go back to Week Eight and talk about some of the games and talk about some of the things that we're we're noticing and seeing. Jim, what were what were your top games from last week? Well, the obvious had to be Steelers versus Ravens, right? And the Steelers solidifying that they continue to be a contender. The defense is pretty solid. Big Ben's, I wouldn't say elite level status in the way he's playing, but he's definitely upper tier the way he's getting it done the way he used to. So that that was a big one. The thing that I want to bring out of that game and go ahead and get you two going is the fact that I've said it all year, I said it last year, I don't think Lamar Jackson's that good a quarterback. And when it comes time to have to throw, he can't get it done. This guy's just silly. This is just <laughs> – this is this is the most ludicrous thing I've ever heard. And when you said it in text and you, you, you try to, like, throw this conversation up, please give me, give me some more other than you don't feel like the guy can throw the ball. I, I watch Who him. does he have to throw the ball to? Tell me the that. Hollywood Brown says, oh, but he's not the – Yeah. Look, hey, I, there are NFL analysts on Twitter who 100% agree with me. They said running back shouldn't be playing quarterback. That's all I'm saying. But you know what? Moving on because – That's why they're to... analysts on Twitter and not players on the field. <laughs> all right, well – 
The other couple games I want to talk about that I thought were a big deal, obviously the Vikings showing up to be the team that we know they can be. Dalvin Cook, absolutely ridiculous. Four touchdowns, over 200 all-purpose yards. That one, that one really stuck out. You know, the Vikings kind of starting to find themselves, so that could be scary as the Saints have them down the road. And you know what? It wasn't going to be one of my top games, but I'm going to go there. I got to say the Bengals beating the Titans 31-20 and Joe Burrow continuing to be great. And Shocker. I, Shocker. And I, and I you, tell you, you Daniel. You had to go to the LSU guy. And I tell you, Daniel, four of their five losses came by five points or less. His defense has been terrible. This guy has been great. And you know what? You're saying shocker, but I bet you Randy agrees. Burrow's been phenomenal. Well, coming from the guy who had Geo, you better give him some credit for that win, too, because it wasn't all Burrow, <laughs> big dog. You got lucky you got the duck Geo this week, homie. Well, I, you know what? You better hope you win because it's going to be a sad week in that, in, in that household if, if the Saints lose and I beat you in fantasy. Like, I think your world might end. Literally, I think it's going to cave in all around you. And guess what? Don't text me and don't call me because I'm not going to feel sorry for you. <laughs> and, hey, shout out to the Saints. I'm not even going to talk about their game. I'm just going to say they won in Chicago, which is a hard thing for them to do. I, I don't, I don't want to gloss over them because, Randy, I got to ask you, are the Colts playing better than you thought? I look at the record 5-2, and two, and it's like a sneaky 5-2. and two. Um, is it how, yeah man because I, I mean I, I see them beating the Lions and every week it seems like I, I look at or I hear that the game is not as great as it should be so tell me what is good about the Colts and what are they still trying to figure out what is great about the Colts is their defense it is the best defense that Colts have had in over 10 years. Uh, they are top five in almost every viable category. And it's something that typically you see the Titans have the good defense, Colts have the good offense. Uh, the Colts have had a struggle in the passing game. Uh, with the losses that they do have, uh, you have to get, which is what you've got Phillip Rivers for, don't win games, just don't lose games. Well, he's found a way to definitely lose a couple with his pick sixes. and. You know, Jim touched on it, too. The Bengals game, they were getting their butts kicked up until Phillip Rivers actually decided to play some football. So the defense is great. Phillip Rivers is actually finding his groove. It's so weird to watch it. I've never not liked a quarterback for the Colts. You know, I started liking him because of Harbaugh and then obviously Peyton, Andrew Luck, and now we got this guy, this guy. So with the, with the exception of the Jaguars in week one, like, I mean, I, I think if anybody's going to – lose a game early like that's that's understandable especially with all that's going on but they did lose to the browns like is that a bad loss no not a bad loss the browns are the browns are a, a decent team the jaguars loss is inexcusable uh but you know they, they i think against the the lions and i know they're the lions but i mean as a cowboys fan you take that win um five and two anyone Five and two, and here's what you got to see. Now I would almost know. take a tie. Almost. Oh, that's what the almost. Eagles said. That's what the Eagles said. So what you really are about to find out is what the Colts are made of because they have the, the Ravens, 
the Titans twice, and the Steelers. So you're going to find out over the next four games what they're made of. If they go 0-4 and they end up at 5-6, and then it's a, it's a wrap. I mean, that's that's a gauntlet, man. That's a gauntlet. So, well, we beat the Titans every time we play them. I hope all my Titans fans that are listening understand that y'all don't beat the Colts. It just don't happen. Chalk up the Steelers to a loss. Jim just told you that Lamar Jackson sucks. Exactly. I, I I'm seeing three and one. Hey, while we're talking about quarterbacks, Randy, and since you brought up the Browns, let me ask you: like, what's up with Baker's Jekyll and Hyde? I think that's who he is as a person. I think he's bipolar in real life, and he's bipolar on the football field. Hey, let's, I always want to take it back to this. Y'all Everybody, seen him in those State Farm or those those commercials? Oh, yeah. That I think he's exactly that guy. Everybody do this as you're listening. Go If you haven't seen it, go YouTube when Baker Mayfield tried to run from the big cop. Go <laughs> YouTube it. That's who he is. How do, how do you find that, like – what what are you scrolling through? Baker like, Mayfield tackled by police. No, 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 no. How do you get to that? Like, what are you doing that sends you down a rabbit hole where you get to that? I don't want to talk about it. I'm in 12 steps. Hey, <laughs> I'm here for you. You need a sponsor? I got you, bro. Man, no got doubt. You. So let's, let's talk about surprises. I think, you know, we, we kind of mentioned the Colts being somewhat of a surprise, five and two. Um, but I, I think – they're going to show their true colors here soon over the next five or six weeks. Um, if they come out and they're smelling pretty good, man, they, they might have a shot. Phillip Rivers might be something. You'll issue in a public apology for picking them not to make the playoffs? I, I don't know. I think I, I, think I have to because the, the other – the pick over them was the Patriots, and we see where that's going. They're, they're just a little bit better than the Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> oh god imagine if that was a sunday night game my goodness it can't be any worse than last sunday's game i mean that was a brutal game we gotta get off we gotta get off them jim any surprises from from last week i think it's gotta be the dolphins and it's not even just a surprise last week but overall i did not like that they went away from fitz magic and not that Tua was the, you know, end-all reason they won. It was the the defense and special teams. I mean, it was a three-phase game. But the Dolphins just rolling the Rams like that. And, you know, don't look now. They're right there behind the Bills who just haven't looked very sharp. So, the Dolphins are the surprise to me this week. Hey, can I say something about that Dolphins thing? They won in spite of Tua. He did not – I watched it. He did not play great. And I think they're a better team with Fitzmagic. I – I think you guys are jumping the gun just a little bit. How many games has Tua played in? I'm not. One. Hey, look, I'm not saying he won't be exactly. Better. Like he figured out a way to win, win the game, whether it was him or not. But he so was, Fitzpatrick wasn't winning. He Fitzpatrick was doing exactly what Fitzpatrick does everywhere. He just throws for a thousand yards in one game and then is absent in the second game, and then he'll go and throw for a 1,000 more yards the next game, and then he's absent the next game. Daniel just wants Fitzpatrick to go to the Dallas right now. I, I would take – Not over Benucci. <laughs> well, it, it ain't going to be him this week. They're, 
It's going to be Cooper Rush, probably. Y'all probably wish you still had Jason Garrett. He could lace him up. I'm telling you, Kellen, Kellen Moore. He's going to call his own plays and quarterback. Shoot. Um, you know, look, looking at week nine, there's currently the, the Packers are just beating up on the 49ers, which really isn't fair. The 49ers are, are, are beat up right now. Uh, got a lot of guys out. You got Steelers and Cowboys, which I think we all know how that's going to go. I'm going to skip over to the Saints and the Bucks. We looking forward to that game, Jim? Absolutely, especially if Michael Thomas is back, along with Callaway and Sanders. So you got the full arsenal. Let's just start praying right now that the weather holds up and it's not a monsoon that's being pushed up from the tropical uh, – storm coming up this way here's what i tell you forecast it's very gloomy <laughs> very gloomy you talking about it hernando uh, hey here, here's what i'll tell you if if the saints don't win they're they're in trouble you're telling me we're in trouble but you should have lost to the Giants if Daniel Jones had any kind of touch on his pass. But we didn't. Oh, yeah, the, the missed P.I., but we're not going to talk about that. I mean, it's it's NFL football. Anything the, can happen. Guys, the only game that really matters this weekend is the Ravens and the Colts. I mean, let's just call it like it is. Two, two five and two, two. five and two studs. I mean, that is a huge game. No, no joke. I mean – when you look at it, that game is is pretty big deal. And then, you know, the Bears Titans because both of them are reeling right now. One of them needs Give to win. Give me the Bears plus fourteen. <laughs> They're going to dominate that game. The Titans suck right now. Anybody interested in seeing Tua and the and the Dolphins Kyler? take on the take on Kyler Murray and the Cardinals? No, nah, no. Now nah. the only other game that intrigues me is the Seahawks and the Bills, just simply because. I want to see the Bills beat somebody good, and can they beat Seattle? You know, Russell Wilson's going to throw for 485 yards. I hope he does. The game of the week is the Giants against the Washington football team. Let, let me ask you this, Daniel. Is is Russell Wilson going to throw to baby Braun Braun? Oh, my God. We, we had a text yes, about this, and I need Daniel going, to address. He's going to throw to DK Metcalf, and he's – Oh, I texted Randy. I texted Daniel about that in real time. I was like, why couldn't he just give the kid a shout out? Why did he have to make it about himself? Look, y'all know I love LeBron, but that was ridiculous. I told Jim, I said, hey, when these guys, especially LeBron, he's had the spotlight for way longer than he's ever had it. So now all of a sudden there's nothing going on for him to to be in the limelight about. So he had to like throw a little tweet out there to get some action. So he oh, can't he just stick with the election? Well, I mean, you would think, but obviously not. Um, just looking at the other games. I mean, Monday night's game, we talked about a terrible Monday night game. We got the Patriots and the jets. If the Patriots lose to the jets, I mean, I think our conversation about the Patriots is probably solidified. Like it's time to, start start over and figure something out um not much in the way of things that really jump off the, the page at me but there are a couple 
games that are, you know, just like you guys said, Seahawks and Bills, seeing if the Bills can actually beat somebody good. Uh, the Bears and Titans game is kind of intriguing because I feel like the Bears are right there, whether they want to be good or people think they're good or they're terrible. So I think the Titans will be a good test to really tell where they're at there. Ravens and Colts, I, I agree with you, Randy. I think that's a big game, man. I think that's a, a legitimate game to be excited about, especially if you're a Colts fan, man. Hey, to Jim's, to Jim's credit, uh, to touch on that, Lamar Jackson was under 60% completion again. Like, uh, the Colts defense, he's going to have to pass the ball. They're not stupid. They're one of the best defenses in the league, and everybody is right in the blueprint. Stack the box and make that guy beat you with his arm. And until he proves he can do it consistently, they're not going to go anywhere. You saw the so, Titans do it in the playoffs last year. Yeah, so I'll ask you, Jim, if – is it – would a big-time receiver change your mind about Lamar Jackson? Probably not. And I'm not saying like – So somebody, let's say like Michael Thomas. Your Your best cause would be – Look, I'll give you your argument simply because I didn't know if Kyler Murray would be very good, and I haven't seen him throwing to somebody other than Hopkins right now to or Larry Fitzgerald, for that matter, to know the difference. And so – because I think Kyler Murray's great, and maybe it's just because – because, you know, he's a running quarterback, so that's obviously why I'm using that in comparison. But I could see your case if you want to make that. I just – I don't know. I don't see – I don't see the the touch that I see these other guys that are throwing on the run make, whether we're talking about it like a Mahomes or a Wilson. He, I mean, he he's just so off sometimes. I could compare the way he was throwing to the way I watched Daniel Jones throw the other night. But is it is it fair to compare? I mean, obviously, Mahomes is a guy that is is a young guy, not been in the league that long. But is it fair to compare Lamar Jackson to Russell Wilson? Yeah, because he just won an MVP and Russell can't, hadn't even got a vote yet. I, yeah, hey, and another thing too. I, I'm is, just saying. I'm just saying in terms of sheer like duration in the league, because there is a level at which these guys have to learn the league. Like, well, you can go back and look at Russell Wilson's stats from when he was his first second year. I mean, he came in from not even being the second string to starting and producing. That's how they got as good as they are. And look. If you look at the great, the best quarterbacks in the league, they make the receivers, not the other way around. Drew Brees has been consistently one of the best, no matter who his receivers have been. Peyton Manning was the same way. Tom Brady's made a career of having about one receiver, Randy Moss, that was like a Hall of Famer. I mean, the list goes on and on. Tony Romo, obviously, he had Dez, but the guy he could throw to anybody. Those guys make the receivers, in my opinion. Very true. So, you know, I think – there's a lot to look forward to. Uh, there's going to be some games that are some that are going to give us some clarity on where teams are headed, whether they're good or whether they're not, or whether they got some work to do. And if the Cowboys find a way to beat the Steelers, like, wouldn't that be something? Shut it down. <laughs> that that would be the game they'd find a way to win, right? Yeah, you probably with everything that's going on this year, that would be the the, the game that they win. So, hey, if it is, it is. I'll take a win any way we can get it at this point. So, moving on to to college football, we got, you know, probably the most anticipated game in the ACC this year. We got Clemson uh, and, and Notre Dame. Is 
I find it really, really hard to get excited for Notre Dame. I don't know about you guys. I just, I just feel like Clemson is going to blow the doors off those guys. And I say that even thinking about how Clemson played last week, but I just, I just don't trust Notre Dame. What about you guys? Notre Dame's a snooze fest, bro. Every year, all the time, they get everybody hyped up. They get all the accolades. They get into a big game and get their doors blown off. With the exception, a couple years ago, they played Georgia tough. But give me Clemson. I'll give you any kind of points you want. It's going to be blowout city. And I think a lot of the reason last week that you Clemson was playing that ugly game was, for one, you're without Trevor Lawrence. For two, everybody's looking ahead. I don't care what Dabo says or what any of the coaches do, you cannot keep 18- to 22-year-olds focused on this week when they know next week's coming. Well, and I, even not having Trevor Lawrence this week against Notre Dame, I, I still don't, don't see it. I don't oh, see it. You know, I, I think you might get some, some curves of learning because it's a new guy and it's not Trevor Lawrence, a guy that's been there and that's been like the – the staple on what you're used to but Davos had an extra week with this guy not only that they have the best running back in college football so like give it to that guy they're so loaded at every position it's 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 silly to even think but if if Notre Dame wins then next week I'll come on here and I'll, I'll they'll be the first team that I give a shout out to but until they they prove to me that they can handle these types of games then they, they got to show me something. I mean, what does it say about them that they're a five-point dog at home against the team missing their star quarterback? Like, even the odds makers say these dudes ain't fixing a win. No. Uh, they, because it, they're, it's based on past experience. I mean, Notre Dame, I'll be honest, and this is probably not going to be a popular opinion by by some, but – they got to be the most overrated team in college football. I know Michigan's trying to fight them for it every year. But at least Michigan has some claim to like they play high level teams. I mean like Notre Dame, I guess they do play high level teams, but man, it's it's they play them but they don't ever beat them. Right. At least Michigan does beat some teams here and there. I mean, they're not they're not just getting the doors blown off of them and against Ohio State. They're not getting the doors blown off of them against Penn State and Michigan State, even though they just did lose. But um, you better go check those know. stats, big dog. They they do get the shit. They they do get blown out by them teams. That's why Jim Harbaugh is going to be on that hot seat. His record's good, but his record against the teams that you just named is dreadful we'll take him back on the Colts though hey matter of fact maybe he's got some little something left in the arm bro maybe Cowboys could sign him so with that we 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 talk about Wisconsin Wisconsin's supposed to play last week didn't play supposed to play this week not playing so that's two games on their schedule that's canceled if I guess according to the rules, if they have another canceled game, they won't be eligible for uh, the playoffs. Is is that a good rule, Jim, or is that 
silly or like I I don't know what to think about it because I I feel like that's fair, but also I feel like it's not their fault either. I mean, it's a different year with different circumstances and everybody knew the possibilities. It's unfortunate, but you know what? I don't feel bad for Wisconsin because their team is crappy, just like their voting process. So Why we gotta bring up voting? Why because that was the first thing I said. I was like, Wisconsin's sorry at football and they're sorry at counting votes. Well, if they're sorry at counting votes, there's a lot of other people that are sorry at counting votes too. They ain't got nothing on Nevada, boys. Nevada Nevada. Come on now. Nevada. Nevada them votes up. Daniel, I like how we went straight into next week because I think you wanted to skip last week because our teams got absolutely thrashed. We can we can talk Memphis, man. Like it, it is what it is. Like you saw, not a very good defense play a really good defense, and our offense couldn't hold up against a really good defense. And our defense that we have is just just not good. Secondary, not good. I mean, at all levels. I would say Cincinnati's defense, the defensive line just thrashed the offensive line. There was just nothing that we could do. And we don't have a guy that's going to break tackles and give you 20-plus yards on a carry. We had one 92-yard touchdown that if it wasn't for – Taj Washington juking and jabbing and making a little move like that doesn't happen. But that was the one thing that we were able to do the whole game. Everything else was just pretty miserable. And I I would say it starts on the offensive side because you gotta you gotta score points to get things going. But I think for Memphis it's the opposite. It's the defensive side that that's you know they're not doing anything and and. I am worried about this week because I think if you give a quarterback time, they'll find open receivers. It's just a matter of time. So um, I know USF is not that good, but I, I am concerned about this game. So. Well, you're, you're kind of being hard on Memphis. I agree with everything you said, no doubt. But I think that game said a lot of just about how good Cincinnati is you know a lot of memphis media members want to talk about all the guys who opted out all the guys who are playing in the nfl this year and rightfully so you know lsu do the same thing but i think that cincinnati team is legit you know i've watched them a few times now and i'm not saying they would go into the college playoff and beat anybody but you know coming from the american i mean they're the real deal yeah i mean i i'll I'll give you that um i don't know who they have played um, that you could say, oh, that's a, a quality win. I would like to say that that Memphis would have been one of those quality wins, but I don't think so. I don't. I don't consider. I, I don't think you could say Memphis is a quality win right now, just by the way they're playing. And um, and maybe I'm just being a little bit too hard, but I, I don't think they're as good as people thought they are or thought they were going. So, Randy, let me ask you this, because he said they don't have a quality win, and I just looked at their schedule. Other than UCF, they don't have, um, you know, a quality opponent. And obviously, UCF's got multiple losses. Could this team go undefeated and find its way in the playoffs some way, somehow, without that quality win? 
No, history tells us no. I mean, I mean, I you know, ESPN was doing their best to hype them up. I guess maybe Cincinnati's a little bigger market than Memphis was or, or Central Florida, but I don't think so. Well, I mean, if Notre Dame gets beat, like we said, obviously Oklahoma State lost last week. You look at these teams, nobody can really stay in the top ten. I mean, who really poses a threat to stay in front of them? Yeah, I mean, I think they'll take a one-loss team. Once they come out – because right now the rankings don't matter until you see that first playoff ranking come out. Then let's see who's ahead of them, and let's see what happens after that. Yeah, I'm interested to see once all teams are playing what happens. And I I foresee Cincinnati not losing a game just based on what I saw this past weekend. Um, but you know, I, I, I agree with you, Randy. I don't foresee anybody putting them in a playoff. I just, but, it, but it might be hard to, to even give the one loss argument unless it's Notre Dame, like we're talking about, because I'm sitting there looking at it and only Georgia and Notre Dame in front of it. And by all accounts, if Georgia even wins the East, they're going to lose again to Alabama. If Florida wins the East, they're going to lose to Alabama. So I mean, because the only other team that's running up behind them are BYU and Wisconsin. We just talked about Wisconsin ain't going to play, and BYU would have the same problem as an argument. I think they have a chance, regardless if they deserve to or not. I just think because of the lack of quality teams at the top, if there was never a time to slip in there, this is going to be the one. Yes, yeah. I, I mean, I can't – that's a fair point. And to be honest, I would love to see them in there. Why not? Give them a chance. Um, you know, I wish that it was um, my team and not them, but I think in order for the the non-power five conferences to get a chance, somebody has to do it and show that they can do it. So if that's what it takes to give others a, a, a shot at doing it, then by all means, go Cincinnati. Um you know, looking at last week's games, Randy, did you see any any games that were surprising to you, or any letdowns that you felt were like, man, that 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 didn't go the way I thought it was going to go? I mean, you know, we've already talked about it, but the Memphis game, you know, we were texting during the game. I, I didn't expect them to go up there and win necessarily. I was really disappointed in how they competed, and I thought there were just a couple of plays in the course of the game that really turned it over on its end and. You know, it ended up being obviously really lopsided, but a couple things that stood out. Obviously, the defense is not good. Um, but um, Brady sliding, you know, a yard before the uh, the first down marker, those are those are losing plays. And I'm not I'm not a Brady hater. I don't think that he deserves half the criticism, you know, that he gets. But those are the kind of plays you got to make. And there was just no reason, unless I missed something, for him not to get that first down. And I think that changes the flow at that moment. That changes the whole dynamic. Well, given the fact that he comes back and he's the veteran that he is, that's uh, that's the reason you bring him back is to make to make sure that you make those kind of plays. Um, you know, just just thinking about about the game, just it really I keep keep wondering how this week's going to go. Hopefully, they respond, they come back, they do what they need to do. But you know, let's. Let's finish this past week off, Jim. Any other surprises or letdowns from teams? I mean, I had four letdowns wrote down. The two were the obvious, our teams, LSU, Memphis. If you want to, you know, find a team that played better in Memphis, just watch LSU. 
But obviously Michigan losing to Michigan State as a 24-point favorite is unacceptable. And then Oklahoma State, you called it. You know, I didn't say that they weren't going to lose at any point, but I was saying they were going to have to be the team for the Big 12 to to stay the course to have somebody in the playoff, and they couldn't do it, and they did it right on schedule as you predicted. You said it wouldn't take long, and so I'm surprised that they couldn't at least give us a little interest longer thinking that they maybe could. So those those four teams, for me, uh, let down as far as my picks. Not They were a heavy underdog, but – I wanted Arkansas to beat Texas A&M, so that's a letdown for me personally. Hey, the biggest letdown for me was Jeremy Pruitt announcing Jared Garantano as a starter against <laughs> Arkansas this week. Uh, what What is the infatuation with with this guy? Like, so I can only go off of every little excerpt that I've watched, and I've I've done it too much. Really, it's become a little obsession. And he just keeps saying he gives us the best chance to win, which I find to be ludicrous, but I'm not in the practice. So I can only assume that he looks like Joe Montana in practice, and then he gets in a game and looks like Joe Montana. I don't – I, I Paul, just can't figure it out. I, Paul Feinbaum I, he, came on and said that he doesn't give them the best chance, and they're not closing the gap like Pruitt said. And this guy, you know – he had, he watches all the teams and he's an alum there and so I value his opinion and he says no. He hates Tennessee though. But listen, that's because he that's because he's fell in love with Alabama along the way. Yeah, but hate, listen, go ahead. I hate David. when I hate when coaches say they give us the best chance to win, but they're losing games. Like no, obviously that guy doesn't give you the best chance to win because you're losing. But he's also the same guy that said they're closing the gap after they got throttled. So. Oh, that that's silly. Like I, I don't I don't know what I, I think he's just trying to say something to to ease some of the pressure, but that's that's a ridiculous comment because they had just got blown out. Like Yeah, there's no shame in losing to Alabama. There is a lot of shame in getting your teeth kicked in at home to Kentucky. Uh, that can't happen. And that game, you know, I know that he's a young guy and he's just out there playing football, but that, that rests on the shoulders of Jared Garantano, but furthermore on the shoulders of Jeremy Pruitt. And what really bothered me the most, and this is like the first time that I've been a big critic of Jeremy Pruitt, was the next day. He never took responsibility. I watched the Jeremy Pruitt show and he just kept saying, I mean, yeah, we, we, made, we didn't make the plays we needed to make. Well, no, no, really? Of course you didn't, but who's that on? You lose 34 to 7? To Kentucky at home? Come on, man. At, at what point do you start looking in the mirror and going, man, like what I'm doing, it, it ain't what's working. If you lose well, to Arkansas this week is when you do it. Well, here's the here's the here's the crux of all this, man. Jeremy, he's got a bigger problem because their best he's an all American linebacker, Totoo. He's great. He's gonna go in the NFL. He's tweeting out pictures of the backup quarterback saying, you know, in Mauer we trust. That tells you all you need to know. The leader of your team is saying, put the backup quarterback in. Come on. Yeah, hey, your boy that you just mentioned, a linebacker, any number 11, because I have trouble saying his name. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if he wants to be the next uh, ball for life to play for the Saints, he's welcome to. The guy's a stud. So let's let's get to our predictions, Jim. We are, we are struggling. We're two and four on the season. <laughs> two and four. And I think a little bit is we're just – picking some silly stuff just to throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. But last week you picked Arkansas over A&M, and 
I mean, I, I thought that was a, a decent pick, but uh, A&M ended up beating Arkansas, and I picked Air Force over Boise State, and Air Force got blown out. So, uh, not blown out. They they scored late to make it a little bit closer than what it was, but they they didn't win. So, looking at the games, the slate of games for this week, Randy, I, I think you're going to like my pick here. I think you're really going to like my pick. But I'm going to go Liberty over Virginia Tech. Shout out. Jerry I, Falwell, I baby. The, the fighting Falwells are, 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 are going to do things. I love what, it. What they're going to do, I don't know. But Definitely I've never, extort some money. I've never had a reason to root for Liberty until now. So here we go. Shout out, Hugh Freeze. Jim, Jim, who are you picking? All right, Battle of Unbeatens on Friday night. Give me Boise State at home to upset BYU on the Smurf turf. I mean, it, is that an upset, though, really? They're a three-and-a-half-point dog, and BYU's ranked number nine and seven and oh. Yeah, but they – if Boise State had played seven games, what do you think their record would be right now? They seven might be and seven and zero, oh, but they're not. And they're where would they? Where would they be ranked? Look, I guarantee the- you, they would be if they were seven and zero. Oh, Boise State would be ranked higher than BYU. Okay, so I've been picking. So how, te- how is that? Like, I, I, I get, I get the logic in that. First of all, I just want to pick them because they play on Smurf Turf on Friday night. But I've been picking teams that are double-digit underdogs, and I pick a team that's a three-and-a-half-point dog, and you're all over me. Yeah, I, I am. I picked Liberty for crying Well, I was going to pick Arkansas over Tennessee, Tech. but I didn't want to offend Randy. Hold up. Look, DB, you're not really jumping out on a limb either. I mean, Liberty's undefeated, playing underachieving Virginia Tech, man. I mean, you got to – hey. Come on now, guys. They are ranked. He's, I mean, he's not wrong about this. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm, Liberty's the ranked team. I, I'm going. I'm going to be on the ACC network at noon on Saturday to watch it all go down. How about I pick Marshall to cover their 45 point spread since I got hyped over their Halloween uh, football video. You did get hyped, man. You put it on Facebook. You put it in the group chat. I mean, you were hyped. Yeah, you he was slobbering. I think you got the smiley face drool emoji. You'll float too. You didn't watch it, did you? I, I loved it. <laughs> so you got Boise State over BYU. Yes, lock it in. Randy, you want some of this action, man? Who you got? Give me, give me a game. Who you got? I got it. I, look, I, I shouldn't. I shouldn't do it. I don't want to do it. Let me tell you. We got to talk a little bit about this. I really dislike Dan Mullen after what he did last week. But I'm picking the Gators over the Bulldogs. Oh my God! I'm this just man picked it. Florida. I'm, I'm I'm picking it, but I can't. I, I don't want to. I don't even feel good about it. I cannot stand Dan Mullen after what he pulled last. Is week. this because you've been hanging out with your husband and lost more? Yeah, shout out, Jason. Although you know what, Jason, if you're listening, uh, if you ever text me that I need orange and blue in my media room again, it's over. Our relationship is over. Man. Hey, shout out. Hey, real quick story. Me and me and my husband-in-law were playing golf a couple weeks ago with with another with Casper and another guy. And I hope I didn't I don't know if I told this on air or not, but we're playing and Jason, we're in the same cart. He hits a shot on a par three that's like 
five feet from the freaking pin. I look back at Casper and the other guy. I was like, see, I lost my first wife in a golf game. Man, <clears throat> tripping, bro. That dude was good. Man. Hey, but if I'm going to pick it, I want to pick an underdog real quick. I got South Alabama over Coastal Carolina. I'm going against the Scullets. Negative. Let me tell you something. I had that highlighted, and I didn't even say nothing because we didn't really dive into last week. Them dudes were a three-and-a-half-point favorite last week, Coastal Carolina was. They won by 51. Them dudes are slaying folks. Oh, they are. They've been doing it all year. And they and that's when Kirk Herbstreit picked against them, I think, that week one or week two. And those guys came out in their mullets, and they let him have it. <laughs> the so fighting let's, mullets. Let's get, yeah. So, let's, let's get to the last call. Jim, in the sports world, what did we miss? Well – you know, we've been kind of off basketball, but the Rockets got themselves a coach, Steven Silas. And, you know, when they said the name at first, I had no clue who it was. But then I saw a picture, and I've seen that dude one billion times. And it's because he's always been on the bench of multiple different teams. He's definitely got plenty of time coaching. He's been around a lot of great coaches, a lot of great teams. And so he's got some experience, get some new blood in there. We'll see what team he's coaching. A lot of different rumors. You know, one day you hear Westbrook's going to be traded. One day you hear it's going to be Harden. One day you hear it's going to be both. I mean, we'll have to see. I mean, I don't think you can get rid of Westbrook's contract personally, and I just think it would be stupid to get rid of Harden. So, some way, somehow, they got to figure out how to keep those guys and find a big man because it ain't small ball no more. But he's the man that they got to do the job. We'll see how he does. Randy, what did we miss? I'm going to go back in on Dan Mullen because I was so disappointed. If you guys were watching, it was a late hit on the quarterback. His teammates had his back. And this guy runs out like he's going to, first of all, fight the player. And then second, he's like, after he's getting held back, then he's going at Drinkowitz, the Missouri coach, like, come at me, bro. Then the freaking guy goes into the locker rooms, comes back out to pump the crowd up. I mean, is this WWE or is this SEC football? And the fact that the players were getting suspended and all he did was get a little fine is ridiculous. Suspend him. <laughs> you would think with the WWE reference, I would be all about that. But I absolutely think that was atrocious. Like, it's disgusting and just stupid. And if you're trying to be a leader of man and, a, and quality character, like, be professional. Like, look. Agreed. What are you doing? Like, what are you doing? You're, it was you're... that was disgusting. I agree. So for me, um, guys, we're three weeks out from college basketball, um, and I think it would would make sense for me to to bring up. You know, Memphis is going to open up with Ohio State, and according to Kim Palm Palm rankings, we got um, Memphis sitting at thirty nine, and they're going to open up with Ohio State, who's sitting at ten. They have a chance to play West Virginia, who's sitting at eight. Uh, they got another chance to play, a, you know, possibly a Texas A&M team that's sitting in the top, you know, 40. So I think, you know, with all things given with the season, like I don't think they could have asked for a better opening. I don't know. Well, any... they're not opening with Ohio State anymore because they withdrew from that tournament. Well, so there's that. Well, that's that's pretty sad. So I wonder who they're going to open with now. But either way, I, I think they, they 
couldn't have asked for a better draw as far as a tournament to be in and, and a group of group of teams that are. Let me ask you, Daniel, since I said it, and I just because that just came out this afternoon, so you're not just super late to the party. They withdrew for the the COVID purposes. Do you think it's too early to make that call? Because you know the Big Ten has already done this in football. I think nothing. There, well, it depends. There's a couple of factors. So the first factor is that um, are they going to allow fans? What is what is that like? The second factor is is you know are you practicing and you're gonna you're planning on playing at some point, right? Right. Why pull out of it if you're going to turn around in two days, two days later, and play a game? Is it because you just want to play the conference slate and that be it, or only play the games that matter? Like, but, but you're not going to battle test yourself if you don't play those games. I mean, because we talk about Memphis getting an opportunity, the amount of ranked teams that are in there. That's where you can find out what your team's all about early in the season. They didn't well, want to take that L, son. <laughs> well, I, I don't know, but we we can all all say for a hundred percent certainty that when it comes to college basketball, despite your conference record, all games that you can play with ranked and quality opponents matter. So they're they're taking themselves out of a, a situation to play really good quality teams and have good quality wins. So to me, like it, I think it was just a, a easy, an easy out for them and an easy excuse to use. I hate to say excuse because it's a reality, but if you're going to play games anyways, why not play those games? You got to start at some point. You're going to have to start playing. If, if that's what you want to do, you're not going to pull out of every single game. So you might as well just go ahead and do it. And maybe it was because it was in Sioux Falls. I don't know. But, you know, it's kind of disappointing. Uh, I was looking forward to that. So, hopefully they can replace We're disappointed that they called off the Tennessee game. (laughs) Yes. I mean. Shouldn't be. You shouldn't be. You should be happy about that. No, I'm not. Here we go. Here we go. (laughs) You know, I want to play quality teams. I want – I want to play the best of the best so that you should – you should feel honored and privileged that I say that about Tennessee. I mean, it's hard to dispute it, but yeah, I, I, I am. What? Shout out, shout out, Rick Barnes. Shout out. I, I got, I got my orange microphone. We've done en- enough, enough Tennessee talk tonight. So, Randy, what I really want to know is we got a new segment called Randy's Riches. You're going to give us some financial info to make us more uh more fiscally responsible i think that's the best way to put it so so talk to us tonight what is what is the one tip what's your strategy give us something so i went a different route today because i want everybody to kind of stay away from the stock market right now until we figure out what's going on and i'm going to leave it at that but i do want to talk about an roi return on investment db if i told you that you had an unlimited amount of money and you could spend $180 million to preserve $1.5 billion. Would you do it? Of course. See, that's what the NBA did. By being in the bubble, they spent almost $200 million in 100 days, but it preserved $1.5 billion because of national TV, local sponsorships, all that. 
But here's the kicker, though. They're already talking about the next season and why they have to get started in December. TV deals being what they are, you have to play 70 games. Something I didn't know until I started doing my research on this, 40% of the NBA's revenue, 40% comes from gate count. They're already talking about there being, even if they let them travel, being little to no fans. So they really have a problem on their hands. And I want to talk about Major League Baseball for just a second. Because, guys, I'm, I'm seriously worried about this because stats that have come out over the last couple of weeks, 30 teams have amassed an unprecedented $8.3 billion of debt because of the corona and just all the other stuff. And they're going to post $2.8 to $3 billion in operational losses. Major League Baseball has got a problem on their hands, fellas, and I just don't know if it's going to look the same. And then, of course, back to the TV deals, I want to talk about ratings for a second. We've talked about this being what they are, whether it's social activism, corona, whatever it is. NBA down 37%. MLB down 40%. NHL down 38%. U.S. Open down 45%. Kentucky Derby, 43%. College football, the king in the south, down 30%. U.S. Open golf. I mean, everybody likes to watch that on a Sunday, right? Except for Jim. He doesn't care about that. Down 42%. So the biggest way every single thing I just named makes money is off TV and nobody's watching. Let that sink in. That's well, like, you can blame me drop. for golf, but you can't blame me for watching, not watching the rest on TV. I'm going to tell you that because I've been a viewer. Well, well now, now you can see why the NBA is pushing so hard and – to start, you know, before Christmas, because there's a lot of money that's already been lost. They're, they're trying to recoup and there's a lot of money at stake that they're going to lose if, if they can't get it done. So, man, that's great, man. Good stuff. Good. Just blows my mind. Like I, baseball definitely, you're right, has a problem. So I feel bad for teams like the Rays who don't have a lot of money to, to make up the debt. Um, you know, but hopefully they got the right people in the front office to figure that out and stay competitive and win games and keep baseball in the bay, baby. All right, Jim, it's your turn. New segment. You got your rants. So so give it to us, man, because I know you've been hot and heavy. You've been wanting this for a while. So unleash the fury, man. Man, I've got to absolutely blow the whistle on the refs after what I've seen this week. Where to start? Green Bay, Minnesota. They called a pass interference that was pass interference. The referee that was closest to the play threw his flag, no hesitation. The far official comes over, has a conversation with him, picks the flag up, takes it away. Fast forward to the Bears-Saints game. The referee that's two yards off the guy, Demario Davis, causes a fumble. He throws his beanbag out. It's a clear-as-day fumble. Far official comes over, has a conversation with him, tells him it wasn't a fumble, forward progress, it stopped, even though they hadn't blown the whistle. So back-to-back times, the official who's right there was overturned. Well, Monday night, here we go again. So we get to the Bucks game. It's the final play of the game. The referee that is right there calls pass interference. The back judge comes and talks to him, overturns it. My problem, Daniel, no matter which one of these you're talking about, 
whether you're on one side or the other. What is the point of the referee that is there if his call is never going to matter? The guy who has the birds of you, the guy who's right there on top of it, doesn't get the call the way he sees it. And this goes all the way back to the NFC Championship, as you know, where the referee was right there fixing to pull the flag and the other one comes running down and tells him, no, it's getting old. I'm getting tired of it. And to finish my rant, Tulsa versus ECU, they got a chance to replay this one. Fumble on the field, who recovered it? They got it wrong. They cost ECU the game. And then, you know, the conference came back out afterward and said the referees blew it. How you can blow replay is beyond me. So, referees this week, you suck. Anything else? I mean, I didn't expect I, I to have you. that Bucks one, but you know, since we pushed our podcast back this week, I got to watch that and add another one. Man, I I don't know. I I am enjoying what you're saying, and I'm glad you're getting it off your chest because I think it'll save me less like having to walk you off the ledge through the week during through text. But I think you might get overly amped for this as we go through the weeks but well i'll tell you what daniel since all i do is rant why don't you rave about something with your new segment yeah it's it's very simple i'm gonna give an award each week to something that stands out something that's awesome something that somebody does or says or a performance and we're gonna call it that's what's up because when you do something positive in the world, that, that's what's up. So I'm going to go out there and, and talk about, you know, first, Brady Tiger. He's a guy that we've had on our podcast. He is formally committed to the University of Arkansas. Uh, baseball guy, he is ready to rock and roll with those guys. So Brady, my man, that's what's up. we got a couple more guys. Gary Bain signing with Mississippi State. Braden Sanders signing with Ole Miss. These are all local guys, young guys that are just grinding away, doing their thing, not only on the field, but off the field academically um, in the in the community. So shout out to those guys. And as always, keep doing what you're doing because that is what's up. Guys, man, we're out of info. We're out of stuff to talk about for tonight. It's late. Um, it was a good time. I want to First and foremost, thank Andy Cox for joining us. Um, it was a, a good look at, at what it's like living that, that minor league life. We know that uh, his time there was, was well-loved, and, and he got the most out of it. And, you know, we, we enjoyed having him. So hopefully he'll come back and talk to us about, you know, being a firefighter and what it's like being, you know, a family guy now that he's married. But if you like hearing us average Joes talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, your comments, ratings, and feedback is always welcome. Check out the websites up to date. It's new. It's fresh. It's sleek. It is so professional because we got the best producer in the game, my man, Jim. And, guys, we're going to see everybody next week for Episode 4 where we're going to talk to Dallas Woolfolk, who is a prospect in the Oakland A's organization. So we hope to see everybody next week. This has been the In Off the Bench podcast. As always, remember, strong bodies, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We're out.